I hope and pray you all had a, a good week. Everybody have a good week? Loving the wind? Not wanting the wind to go away, right? <laughs> Ready for spring, right? Well, now it is always a, a great blessing to enjoy each week that uh, the Lord lays before us. And uh, we also have just the great blessing to, to be together and to fellowship, uh, to encourage one another. And Sunday school is a really good time just to study the word and uh, talk about life. Uh, yeah, I know it's an hour earlier than service, but it is a good time to just get together and, and study the word. Uh, we'll have one more uh, study in uh, with the just totally with gotquestions.org's Bible study on who is who is God, and it's been a really good. It's supposed to be ten weeks, but we've we've lengthened it out. <laughs> we spent yeah we spent a good three weeks on on uh, evil and everything. So it might might be next week that we'll be done, or or maybe a couple of weeks from now. But we'll be starting Wade and Grudem's uh, the twenty basics on. Uh, Can't remember the name of the book, but mainly his his little concise thing on the twenty doctrines that uh, every Christian should know. That yeah, the twenty essentials. There we go. And uh, so, uh, think, pray, join us, because uh, it's a good time to just encourage one another, uh, be encouraged in the Word, and uh, study together, and then also to just lift up prayer requests um, and to sing to our Savior, uh, even through uh, the uh, via via YouTube, and then to open up the Word and to grow in His truth and grace. You know, today we we studied. You know, how how do you know God? You know, and it came to the conclusion of, yeah, we can know so much about general revelation and and that it points to God, but special revelation or specific revelation gives us that personal relationship with a God that personally wants us to know Him as Savior and Lord of of our lives. Well, as we come to the end of the first chapter of the book of Colossians, uh, we have seen that you know, God gives us grace and peace through Christ Jesus. We have heard Paul is thankful for God, thankful to God for all of his fellow believers, and that he wants them to be filled with the knowledge of God by knowing who Christ is and growing in that hope that is found in Christ alone. That is the encouraging and equipping for a reason. You know, not, not just to know the stuff, right? But as, as James re reminds us, it's also to do this, to be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. We are set apart not just to be about our own thing, our own will, and our own way, but to seek the will of God by knowing the word of God and then act upon it in our own context. Paul states it like this in the book of Ephesians, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. My paraphrase wasn't too far off, right? <laughs> From this morning. You know, we who who rest in the finished work upon the cross are new creations in Christ. And we are to walk in good works, not for salvation, but because of salvation, as we aim 
to please him who came for us. And this can take place in school because this can take place as we study subjects. This can take place as we speak to our co-workers and live life. This can happen as we press forward in, in praying for the lost and having a heart for those apart from God. And this can happen as we support missions. And this can happen as we go on missions. This can happen as we read and understand who we are in Christ Jesus and what we have in him as we crack open the Bible each and every day as we have breath in our lungs. We all have this before us, as Jesus states. He said to all, And if anyone comes after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. I like how, how Luke records that. It's in Luke chapter 9. This is a call to all, right? You know, to the, to the unbeliever, it's a call to repent and believe, right? To, to know that the Lord Jesus alone holds life. And for the believer, it's a call to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and follow Jesus in the classroom, in the office, on the mission field, in the boardroom, behind the pulpit, and in the pew. We are called to serve Jesus because he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he is the one who has come to offer eternal life. To deny him would court death for those that don't trust in Jesus. And for those that know Jesus and deny him, it would bring a life of deformed faith, derailed understanding of scripture, and a distorted view of why God has us here as saints. Now let's... Uh, open in a word of prayer before we turn to our text. <clears throat> now, Father God, we, we thank you for today. I thank you that we can come together and just study your word and, and share life together. Thank you that we can know you through your word and know you through your son, Jesus, and have the right to Become children of God as we turn and receive him that we are born of God. Born again. And we are new creations in Christ. Help us learn to live in light of that amazing truth as we rest in it. And for those that don't rest in it, that they would heed the call to repent and believe and find life, everlasting life. And drink from a well that will never run dry. And as Jesus talks to the Samaritan woman, it will actually be a wellspring within us. How amazing is that? Lord, be with all of those that are sick, that are feeling down and out and, and just dealing with, with sicknesses. We, we pray for those that are traveling. Uh, Lord, thank you that you are a loving and caring God that we can lift up all of our burdens to you. Uh, be with us in our time of study and uh, help us just uh, grow in knowing you more and, and walking worthy of the one that has come for us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, please uh, turn in your Bibles with me to Colossians, Colossians chapter 1.
And we'll be in verses 24 through 26. And Paul writes this. Now I rejoice my suffering in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden from ages, for ages and generations, but is now revealed in his saints. And Paul, always setting a context, right? The context, Jesus is king, but context is king in, in reading the Bible. Uh, Paul is writing from prison, right? He's writing from prison in Rome. And we, we culturally don't really like pain, right? Who likes pain? No? Like going to the doctor and getting your labs done? Ah, never, right? <laughs> never again. You know, we, we might enjoy the slogan, no pain, no gain. But hey, if, if there's no pain, there's no pain, right? We don't walk headlong into pain thinking, I'm going to enjoy this. It's like, no, we walk away from anything painful and say, I'm never doing that again, right? Sorry, doc, you can't get any more blood. Nope. <laughs> now, Paul, Paul's saying this, I rejoice in my suffering for your sake. Paul had been through a lot, right? And he didn't, he didn't stop. He, he didn't turn around. No, he says this. He, he states this in, Ephesus, in Ephesians, writing to the church in Ephesus. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. See, Paul knew that even as a prisoner in Rome, he was serving God. It doesn't mean every day was pain-free. Acts reports that he actually had to pay for his prison himself. I think we should enact that. Maybe you know, crime rates would drop a little bit. Hey, you got to pay for it. Whoa, never mind. He wasn't free from pain, hurts, or struggles. But he knew that life was worth living for Christ no matter where the Lord put him. And he says it is a joy. Paul describes one of his struggles like this in the book of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He writes this. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. I love Paul's response here. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content in my weakness, weaknesses, insults, hardship, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You know, Paul knew why the thorn in the flesh was there. It was to keep him not from being puffed up, conceited. 
And he asked for it to be removed, and he was given an answer. And even in those struggles, he was, he was content in his weakness because Paul knew that the power of God would be shown. You ever read the book of Judges? You know, I love when, when Gideon, you know, raised all of these Israeli fighters, and God's like, that's too many. Oh, no, that's still too many. Oh, that's still too many. Okay, that's enough. Now go and defeat them. <laughs> to show the power of God. To show that it is God doing it. Now, James agrees with trials that they are beneficial for the believers. He calls this, to, he brings this call to all believers. Count it all joy. Are you sure? You know, James says, count it all joy, my brothers. When you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith will produce steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Right? The circumstances come and go, the struggles come and go, but God remains forever true. Trials and sufferings and testings are a part of life on a broken world. But we can also see that as we hold to the Lord in them, it produces understanding understanding that in weakness the Lord's power is made perfect and we learn to be content and we are filled with steadfastness in the Lord. Paul then says this, In my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions, affliction for the sake of his body. What Paul is not saying here, he, he's not saying that there is something lacking in the death of, and resurrection of Christ. What he is saying, and what he has already said to the church, is this. He, right, Christ has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach. So what we can understand here is what Paul is saying this, right, even, even in the context of Colossians, right, the paramount, of Christ, the who Christ is. He's not saying, hey, there's something lacking here. What he's saying this is Paul is saying that the mission is laid before him as he described to Timothy. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. And then this as well to Timothy. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. See, the church has the truth, and that truth must, must be spread throughout the nations. Paul understood this, and he wanted Timothy to understand it, and so the church would continue to understand it, that suffering and enduring with what we deal with in this life is a worthy task in bringing the message of our Savior King. J. Vernon McGee says it like this in his commentary. Paul's suffering was not redemptive in any way, right? He didn't need to endure those things. The Lord suffered as our mediator. Paul suffered as a minister. 
Jesus suffered as the Son of God, where we suffer as one that suffers for righteousness, righteousness's sake. Like how many S's and N's are in there? <laughs> and we suffer in measure as we identify ourselves in Christ as we proclaim the gospel of Jesus. Paul counts it all joy. Paul actually says this in the book of Romans. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Now, the pain, the hurt, the struggles, everything that he describes to the Corinthians in chapter 2 of the book of Corinthians in chapter 11, if you want to go look that up, it's a really you know, messaging board of what he has gone through will not compare to the future glory. I mean, shipwrecks, slave bites, snake bites, uh, everything. Being stoned to death. Paul is about the church. And he became this. I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. And that's a key right there, right? That the church would know the word of God. Uh, the charge to Timothy that he gives is found in 2 Timothy chapter 2, if you want to turn there in your Bibles with me. He uh, says this in verses 19 through, or sorry, verses 15 through 19. And he states this to Timothy. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no, no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Avoid irrelevant babble. Those conspiracy theorists don't like this one, right? For it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. And their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hermeneus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection had already happened. They are upsetting the faith, the faith of some, but God's firm foundation stands. Bearing this seal, the Lord knows who are his. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now this is the stewardship. To handle the word of God rightly, that the church would know what the truth is, what to avoid, and what not to be shipwrecked upon. Paul tells of the aim the aim of our charge is to love that issues from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. That's what he spoke to Timothy in the first book. That the whole church would be encouraged and equipped by the preaching and proclaiming of the word in love. With a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. To the end of knowing all this, right? As he states in 2 Timothy 
3, 16 and 17, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Right? This, the Bible, is profitable. And we even and we talked about it during Sunday school. We even Stephen Hawking's, you know, it's a very smart guy. Knew a lot of things, right? But he came to the conclusion almost two or three times through his life that the universe was created. Denied it. Changed his, you know, universe was created. Denied it. Never realizing that it's pointing to the one who breathed this word out. The word is profitable. Because it tells us what we need to know about God. What we need to know about sin and death and judgment and hell. It tells us about salvation in Christ. It tells us you know, the bad news, right? That we are sinners. But then it informs us of how to deal with that. By repenting and believing and turning. And believing upon Jesus who has dealt with sin and death. The Lord informs us of this. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but is now revealed to the saints. Now the church, this is speaking of the church itself actually. As we have seen before, the Old Testament sees the Messiah as a coming king. But also as a dying king. They saw you know, one mountain with a crown on it. They didn't realize that there's two mountains, one with a cross on it and then one with a crown on it with a valley in the middle where the church is. Paul says it like this in the book of Romans. And now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Christ Jesus according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages but now has been disclosed through the prophetic writings, has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about obedience of faith to the one, to the only wise God, be glory forever more through Jesus Christ. Amen. See, it's seen throughout the whole Old Testament that the message would go out to all nations that all families would be blessed by the Lord through his promises. And you even find that right when he's talking to Abram in Genesis 12. That the light would reach out to all nations. See, the church is given that mission to go, to make, to deliver to others what has been delivered to them. Jude says it best. Beloved, Although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. See, the faith is, is set, right? Those, those core doctrines are set. And we as a church need to know them and know why we believe them and contend for them. For there is falsehood. And we need to combat that by proclaiming the whole word of God to the church itself and to the lost and dying world around us. 
Paul continues in Colossians, writing this in verses 27 through 29 of chapter 1. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we, pre, we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. To the saints, to those set apart, people of the Lord, to those in Christ, God brought forward this to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory. That that message would spread throughout the world. The church has been given the great commission, right? Found in Matthew. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And we are, we are set apart. We are sealed. We are made new in Christ to this end. Salvations of souls. That we would take our witness and go and be salt and light. Jesus states it like this in the book of Acts. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Makes me think of one paraphrased version of Matthew, right? It says, as you are going, right? As you're in your Jerusalem, as you're in Simla, as you're in your Judea, Colorado or Eastern Plains, as you're in your Samaria, maybe somewhere that we don't really enjoy being, you know, Chicago. That's my thought, right? I never like driving through Chicago. And then when we're on Facebook, on the World Wide Web, I mean, what's the ends of our earth right now? For Paul, it was from Jerusalem to Rome. That was the world at that time. For us, it's everything right now, it feels like, at least of how interconnected we are. Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. And he is with us throughout the age. And better yet, he even equips us to be his witnesses throughout the world. That we would proclaim the truth of who Jesus is and what he has done upon the cross. And to know this, the riches of the glory of this mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now this is our hope. Jesus, the Messiah, in him we are new. We are new creations. Now please turn in your Bibles with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. <clears throat> Starting in Verse 17. I always love the, the therefores. Because contextually, it makes you 
you go read the first four chapters. You know, we don't need to do that right now. Therefore, right, all of the truth that Paul has exposited in the last four chapters. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. In Christ. And we'll get to that when we get to Colossians chapter 3. That hidden in Christ is key. It is resting in the finished work upon the cross. It is a personal relationship with Christ that makes us new. And the former things are to be forgotten. For the Lord is doing a new thing. For in the end, the Lord will make all things new. And those in Christ will partake of that glory and dwell with the Almighty forevermore. By the death of Christ, there is peace between man and God. The law points to this new covenant made by the Lamb of God, made with His body and His blood. That is why being in Christ is so paramount for the world to rest in, because all other ways are insufficient, because Buddha be dead, right, Anna? Along with everyone else. Christ alone has risen from the grave. Christ alone is sufficient. And therefore, we as a church have this before us as Paul continues in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 21. He states this, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for our sake. He, right, God made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, right? He, he lived a sin, sinless life, a perfect life before God and man so that in him, in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. That as we are redeemed by the one who has come for us, we understand that he has handed us this witness, this testimony Right? which felt like you know, Lesson 9 was really asking testimonial questions, which was awesome. Testimony of what the Lord has done, which is when you're talking with people, is one of the more powerful things you have of, hey, this is what God has done in my life. And just presenting that to him, just as Paul presents, just as others present through the scripture of, this is what the Lord has done for me. And he has brought us peace by the blood of his son. So we take the message of reconciliation out and employ a world, implore, <laughs> tell a world, be reconciled with God because of this amazing truth, this amazing grace. By this, we rebellious 
sinful creatures can be made new because Christ was made sin upon that cross. And he took the weight and wrath of all of our transgressions, all of our wrongs, all of our thoughts, all of our deeds, and said, it is finished. And those, those words change our relationship with God as we, as we rest in Christ. That we have peace, that we are holy and blameless before God and a lamb who takes away the sins of the world. And the church is to proclaim him. The <coughs> disciples in the gospels did it best. We have found the Messiah, right? So what they just went off. You know, people in our context probably don't know <laughs> that word. They'd probably be like, who's that? You know, it's Jesus. And they share that so they can have fellowship with us and with the Son and with the Father with joy. So as Paul says, you know, we are to warn everyone and to teach everyone in all wisdom so everyone may be presented mature in Christ. And that's the, the point of the, the body of Christ, that the local body would be mature in Christ to warn the world Repent and believe, for the king is coming. And he brings salvation to all those who believe and wait upon his coming. And then as a church, we're, we're gifted and placed in life and equipped for one another to work together for the work of ministry. That the whole body would be put before the Lord on the day of revealing and be seen as mature in the beloved. The Apostle John says it like this, and now little children ab abide in him, right? Work in him, be about growing in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming, right? We, we abide in him, deny ourselves, Pick up our cross and follow him. Right? And even Jesus said it, pick up our cross daily. It's a, it's a daily thing. And then follow him throughout life so that when he comes, and we know that, right, he is coming. We can come and having, knowing we've given our all, Lord, and not have to shrink back in shame. But that we resting in the finished work of Christ would grow in it and proclaim to the world a wonderful Savior. Paul ends Colossians chapter 1 with this. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. And this, this made me think of the ending of Philippians. Because Philippians... Chapter 1, verses, nine, verses 29 and 30 state this. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaging in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I am still having, have. <laughs> right? You know, who are the first three people that come to Christ in Philippi? Do you remember? 
and so Lydia, the, the jailer, and then the demon-possessed lady. I'm like, how's that for a core group to start a church, right? <laughs> it's like, but there's conflict. There's, there's evidence. The struggle and toil and conflict are there for engaging a world for Christ. We come to understand that the world is full of rebellious sinners whose hearts do not want to kneel before Christ our King. But the church is called to lovingly tell and proclaim the hope of glory. I love this, the ending of the first chapter. He doesn't, Paul doesn't leave us with willpower. He doesn't leave us with programs or self-help or blood, sweat, and tears. He tells us of a power that is working in him. The power of Christ working in him. Because it's not about us, right? It's all about Jesus because he is the one that is able for salvation and for a mature church. That we would abide in the Lord and, and walk in him throughout all of life. Using our gifts to equip and encourage the body. Using our time and energy for his glory. Because in him is the hope that brings rebels home. Let's uh, close on a word of prayer. Our Father God, we thank you for today. Thank you for your amazing grace, the hope of glory in Christ Jesus alone. And thank you, Lord, that you don't just tell us to get out there and get her done. It's you. You equip us. You encourage us. You're with us. You seal us, you empower us with your spirit. And, and even as Paul is talking in prison, that it's, it's you working through him, even in those situations. Help us, and I know it's hard, help us be content in our weaknesses, that your power and glory may be magnified, Lord. That even as people are seeing some of that as we walk and work and, and go to the doctor, get labs done, that we would point to you in all of that. Lord, thank you for this time in, in the book of Colossians as we finish out chapter one and, and just, uh, just a great joy to, to study your word and to know you more, Lord, and to grow in you. Help us walk worthy. Help us aim to please you in word and deed, whatever we eat and drink, Lord. May we all do it for the glory of God. And thank you for today, Lord. Be, be with those that are sick. Be with those that are traveling. And uh, we just thank you for your amazing grace found in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.